Hey everybody, and welcome to Dadlit. This is part two of our discussion of Lee Child's Die Trying. If you're not familiar with the book, um, I definitely recommend listening to episode one, where we give a plot synopsis. Uh, but without further ado, uh, let's continue with our talk. We still have to get to our favorite part of the show. Chris, are you ready to cast off? <laughs> yes, I am. Okay. All right. Let's start with everybody. Have your everybody have your Google ready. Open up IMDb because okay. some of the names I'm going to say are not going to sound immediately uh, recognizable, but there are a lot of those people that you will immediately recognize when you see them they're, they're that guy um, okay well, well that's good i like i like those kind of character actors okay let's start with jack reacher you go first no no Should we just do it at the same uh, time I, I i think i have an idea of who you're gonna say and i originally was going to agree with you I'm I'm fairly certain I know who you're gonna say. So if we want to say who I think you're gonna say, we can do it on okay. three. Ready? One, two. Alan three. Richson. Alan Richson. Yeah, I want Alan. Richson. <laughs> Alan, we love you. Please, we'd love to have you on the show. I, I, you know. <laughs> oh my God! If we could get Alan Richson to come and and do a, uh, an interview, that would make my day. He seems cool. That'd make my week, my year. He, I saw this video recently where, or I, I think it was recently where like. He posts like he, you know, he obviously he's really big and he like works out and stuff. And like he was responding to all these allegations of like steroid use, and he was just talking about like I've never done steroids in my life. Um, although he did admit that he's recently started taking like testosterone, um, like replacement therapy. Yeah, there's there there's a fine line between uh, steroids and like natural enhancement. I mean, a lot of I think it's more common nowadays. Or maybe it's always been common, but like I've I've just hear a lot more about men. In their forties and fifties, taking testosterone now, like it seems like that's like a yep. thing that people do. Now, if he was like competing in a, uh, a bodybuilding competition, that might be a violation of something. But I don't know. That'd be frowned yeah. upon. Yeah. Um, um, okay. Who who do you have for Jack Reacher? So I want to. I just want to ask you, since you're picking Alan Richson, would I be correct in saying you're picking a a cast for season two of the Reacher show? Sure. Like are all your are all your picks modern day actors at the age if they are right now? Yeah, they're all basically from the same class of of people. Yeah. Okay. Um, I took a little bit of a different route, so I'm I'm casting a '90s action movie, a, a '90s blockbuster action. So movie. Mel Gibson. Um, no, absolutely not. Uh, I also took Jack Reacher in a little bit of a different direction. Um, I needed someone big. <laughs> And I needed someone big in the nineties. Okay. So I picked Ving Rames. Oh wow. Oh wow. Okay. Well that would be that would complicate things a bit considering that they go and visit this white mash or white supremacist uh militia. Yes, it would. It would. So you might we might underplay that aspect for this. But uh Ving Rames, he's 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 large enough, he's tall enough, he's I think he's six foot. Um and uh, he can place the the strong silent type. Um, he can th- pull off the reacher said nothing uh, with just some some facial expressions and looks. Um, and I think he I think he could 
I think he could deliver the Reacherisms pretty well. He would be. I really like that. I think that he would do a great job at, um, yeah, just that the strong, silent attitude. I really liked him in. Um, I'm thinking of the Dawn of the Dead remake. Have you ever seen that? Yes, I love that movie. I think it's a really, really good uh, remake, and um, he plays like a this cop in it who's sort of ornery but you know kind of hard of gold character that that you know that kind of reminds me of reacher yep i think it would work well okay that's um good. who do you have for uh holly okay i have vanessa hudgens okay yeah that would work really well for the tv show she so in the book she's described as having dark hair and she he, he makes note of of like that she she has more like a tan complexion and I mean, not that that's important in terms of like casting someone. I think I think tan complexion tan complexion pulls a lot of weight in in describing whether or not a character spends much of their time inside or not. So like if if a person is pale, they're generally probably like a desk person. And if when you describe a character as a tanned complexion, you immediately understand that they're in the field. Yeah, yeah. I or or they vacation a lot, whatever. But like. <laughs> those are, those are two I, I think that things. I think that yeah, but but still, it's it's still a they're they're not an indoor person. Yeah, I and also you know this has got to she's got to be like tough, and Vanessa Hudgens I think she could pull it off. Modern modern Vanessa Hudgens I could see pulling it off. I first saw her in that movie Thirteen. Have you ever seen that? I Man, not. that's a good movie. It's a really like. I'll yeah, have to look it up. It's I'll about being a thirteen-year-old girl. Which I love, you know that. That's like I love those yeah. kinds of movies. Actually, it's it's a very like intense and kind of sad movie. Okay, who do you have for Holly Johnson? Uh, so '90s actors, '90s actress. Um, I picked Rachel Weiss. Okay, is she she's from the Mummy, right? Yes, she plays the the stuffy um like uh Egyptologist, but she's been in a bunch of other stuff recently. She was in the Black Widow movie. Um, and I had to look it up because I wanted to be sure, but I had to look up to see if she's ever done an American accent. And she actually does a pretty good, like, very passable American accent. Um, so I locked her, and she has got dark hair. And I think around the time of the 90s, um, I looked up her age. It would fit in pretty well for that character. Yeah, yeah. Um, and more important, more importantly, she could very passably be the daughter of who I picked for General Johnson. Okay, yeah. Who? Um, which I'll just say right now, which I picked James Cromwell. Okay, I know that name. Uh, James Cromwell, he played uh, Zephram Cochran in Star Trek First Contact, and he was um, oh, okay. the scientist in iRobot. He's been in a lot of things before. He's very recognizable. Yeah. Um, and I think he would pull off uh, – I think he has pulled off playing a general before. <laughs> I, on the one hand, I do like that. But James Cromwell, maybe it's because I've seen him in too many roles where he's just a bastard. Except – except I, like, I, I, I still refer back to like iRobot. He's a really lovable character. He's not a bastard in that. And I've seen him play fatherly characters before. He he plays a good like military high rank or like high ranking political an, an, an authority, authority figure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. For this one, I imagined uh, I, Sean Bean. Oh, okay. You put him in a role where he doesn't die, I know, right? But he 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 is. This character does like move around quite a bit. It has to be. There's like some kind of actiony components to to them. Not a whole lot, but I I thought Sean Bean would would be do a good job at carrying some of the drama. 
but also like no yeah no modern day John, modern day Sean Bean would be an excellent choice for for that role. Okay, next one we I have on the list is uh, FBI Director Webster. Who did you have? Uh, Harvey Keitel. Oh, that is so that is so good. That is perfect. Oh my god, I don't even want to say mine now. <laughs> no, no, go on. Okay, so I have Jeff Daniels. Hmm. Ah, hmm. I love Jeff Daniels in quite a bit of things, but if you're putting if you're putting modern day Jeff Daniels in there, I don't quite see it. Well, I I saw him in this uh this uh, mini series uh recently called uh, The Comey Rule where he plays James Comey. So maybe that's why I made that association is I'm like, oh, I could see him like in a suit and, you know, taking care of business. Um, but I like yours much better. Gosh, Harvey Keitel is so good. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. He's not in it. He, no, he's not. Well, maybe <laughs> I'm glad he's not spreading himself too thin. Have you ever seen Bad Lieutenant? Uh, no, but I've heard about it recently. Some Something I watched recently brought yeah, it up. Yeah, I definitely... That might be why he was fresh in my mind, actually, but yeah. Okay. Um, who, who are you gonna cast next? Okay, so next, Bo Borkin. Bad guy. Alright. Alright, I had two picks. One of them is Paul Walter Hauser. I'm gonna need to IMDb him. So he was... He played Richard Jewell in Clint Eastwood's Richard Jewell movie. He just has the look. He's a heavy set gentleman. A really great air, uh, actor. He just, I, I, I really like him, and I could see him, you know, bringing the intensity to that role. Yeah, I'm looking, looking at, I'm looking at him now. I could see yeah. it. My other pick is a is a lot different. Is Elijah Wood? I just think it'd be interesting to see him playing like a really bad villain. <laughs> I don't disagree about seeing him play a really bad villain. I just don't think this is the right villain. <laughs> well. I mean, I, I <laughs> all right. So, who do you have? Um, so I I originally cast someone else in this role, and then I shifted it around a little bit last minute. Um, but um, I put uh Joe Don Baker. Okay, yeah. Oh, he's good. He's good. Um, he, yeah. Bo. Okay, yeah. He can play a bad guy for sure. Um. I think he has before. Um, he was in Congo. But, um, he was, but uh, he's been the bad guy in a Bond movie. He was in uh, Living Daylights as a kind of like a military um, arms trader. Wasn't he? Um, but he and during the nineties, he was. He was also. Uh, I think most people would recognize him from. He was a good guy in that. He plays the. He plays. The, yeah, he plays a good guy in Goldeneye, which is funny because that was like literally a movie or two away from the last bond movie where he played a villain so he plays a villain and then like two movies or one movie later he plays a good guy it's very confusing if people were watching in sequential order um but um around the 90s he was in a lot of stuff and i think he would i think he would be a great pick as us uh overweight uh borkin yeah that's a good pick um okay next up is general garber who is um yeah. That's the guy that knows Reacher, Yeah, right? he's, he was his commanding uh, officer at some point. Yeah. Okay, so for this one, you know, you, I was thinking, this is the guy who, like, I thought of, of him as the guy who trained Reacher. So he's got to be, like, somehow cooler than Reacher, you know? Oh, yeah, I've got that. All right, so my pick was Keith Carradine. Keith 
Carradine. If you're unfamiliar with him, he he played uh, Wild Bill Hickok in the Deadwood series. Um, he's also been in a lot of different stuff. He was in this really cool movie called Southern Comfort. Um, look him up. He's David Carradine's brother. He's got this like really like kind of interesting voice. He he plays a good cowboy with that voice. His look is good. I I, th- I could see him as someone that. Um, not was just involved with Reacher, but kind of like a, a a mentor to Reacher. Yeah, I was thinking of Sam Elliott, but uh, yeah. oh man, I would. That's that's the better pick. Well, so did you? So uh, <laughs> all right, if I was a producer, you know, I'd be. This would be me being political, but I, he recently said some shit about that Power of the Dog movie, and I was like, man, fuck Sam Elliott. All right, well, we don't need to get into it, but let's. Uh, so, who do you have for General Garber? Okay, so um, so my General Garber, you said you needed someone who's, you know, possibly cooler than Jack Reacher. Yeah. And there's no military person I can think of cooler than Scott Glenn. Oh, yeah. That would be, that's a very he good He plays one. the submarine captain in Hunt for the Red October. Yeah. yeah. Plays um, Alan Shepard in The Right Stuff. Fantastic. Which yeah. is a dad, I, cons- I consider um, that a dad-lit nonfiction book. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Scott Glenn is definitely my general. That's brother. an excellent pick. I really like him as an actor. Um, he, yeah. Once again, another person who is not in enough. He so there's this. Yeah, he was in like well, the last few things I can think of him being in. He was in um, that like Daredevil show as Dick, the like blind martial artist, and he was in um, Sucker Punch as their like weird spirit mentor guy in Sucker Punch. I saw yeah, but like. Uh, other than that, I haven't really seen him in much in a he while. He was in that that uh, disaster movie Greenland. Uh, Never saw it. It was okay, honestly. I'm I'm like I I'm I'm an eco disaster film. Uh, you know, I'm a I'm a real slut for that stuff. You know. All right, I'm gonna cut that out. <laughs> Anyways, all right. Mo- I'm not. I'm not leaving right. it in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving forward, Agent McGrath. He he is the one who is uh, the primary investigating the, agent. He's implied. He he's also implied to have uh, some sort of love entanglement with Holly. Right? Yeah, and at the end, it's confirmed that like yeah, they're they're you know they were lovers. Um, and you know she kind of goes back to him at the end. I mean, it doesn't seem like she ever left him, but they kind of like you know they're like holding hands at the end, and it's like oh that's cool, you know. Um, so Agent McGrath, and he's also described as having a Boston accent, a uh, slight Boston accent. So immediately I thought of like a Boston actor. I didn't want Mark Mark Wahlberg. I thought that would, I don't know. I I saw more Donnie Wahlberg. Oh, Donnie's good. Yeah, I was Mark would be too too hard of a cast. It would distract too much. Yeah, I wanted someone a little a little more low key, you know. And I think I think Donnie Wahlberg uh, could pull off. Um, that governmental role. Yes, yeah, because he he used to what is it? He used to be like um a bigger role in the what the FBI, and then like in the book he uh not took a demotion, but he kind of like um transferred to a lower position. 
Yeah, he's still like in command of. He's still um, in command of people over the the, the Chicago field office. Yeah, but right? he's also like he gets his hands dirty and pounds the pavement as well. So someone who can do yeah, those. I could see Donnie Wahlberg doing that. How about you? Who did you have? Um. Okay, this is going to be one that people are going to need to Google to understand. Do you know who C. Thomas Howell is? Um, I definitely know that name. Let me after he was in the show Twenty Four. Uh, he was an amazing Spider-Man as like a crane operator. Oh yeah, uh, he's very recognizable yeah. once you see him. And um, it's a little bit of a stretch because he'd be a little young at the time that I'm casting the movie in the '90s. But I think he would still look fine for the role. Pony Boy, in The Outsiders. Yeah, but that was he's very young. Yeah, in that. he's also in the pu- the in Punisher 83. series. Yes. Yeah. Um. So I, I think in the nineties, uh, he'd be like just old enough to pull off that role. Yeah, he would be a good like kind of middle, lower middle aged sort of. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Next yeah. one I have is Agent Jackson, the undercover FBI agent who um, is embedded with the Montana militia. Um, for this one, this is my oh weird. I had Joseph Gordon Levitt. Um, I, okay. mostly because I can see that. No, I can, I can definitely see like, that. I could see. I feel bad. I feel bad that he's going to get horribly killed. Yeah. Sure. I, I just, I imagined him like wearing like a tactical vest and having like a, an M16 and you know, he just, he could do it. Uh, you know, th- there's a, the characters is a, is a really good guy. Like in it, he's sort of, a he's, he. He's he's portrayed as like a very kind of pure um FBI agent who believes in, in yep, injustice. Yep, yep, so. yep. And I definitely fed into that with my pick. So once again, nineties movie, uh a character that means well and ultimately uh loses for it. Um I picked Michael DeLuise. Alright. Dom DeLuise's kid. <laughs> uh the 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 DeLuise brothers were not very prolific actors, but they're like kind of recognizable. Um, and I think uh, Michael DeLuise would play a great. Um, oh, this guy! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, what? I don't want to say gullible, but like a, a very good, like means well, but doesn't succeed oh kind god. of agent. So, just so people know who Michael DeLuise is, he was in Encino Man. He played yeah. the bully in Encino Man. And it's crazy because I did not know that he's Dom DeLuise's child, but now I totally Dude, see it. Okay, so so Dom DeLuise Dom DeLuise has two kids that are actors. Both of them, actually, all three of them, Dom DeLuise and both of the DeLuise brothers, uh, were actors, and I want to say producers in the Sequest television show. Oh, the 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 Adult Swim show. No, no, that's Sea oh. Lab. Sequest is the it's basically like Star Trek Voyager but under the water and it has um uh the guy from Jaws, what the hell is his name? Oh, R- Rob Scheider. Uh, yeah, Rob Scheider's oh. the main character in I it. I may I may have and seen a few they, episodes it, of that actually. 
it's it's pretty good. It's it, it has like the like Stargate SG one kind of vibe oh, to it before yes. Stargate SG one. For sure, existed. yes. I've seen this. Um, I think on like the sci fi channel maybe, like back in the day when yeah, they used to it's actually like, show it's stuff like a, on the it's like in the uh, uh, the slight like the like the near future where people have been able to like uh, inhabit the oceans in like subterranean colonies or not subterranean so like subaquatic colonies and there's this gigantic sub that's shaped like a giant squid that like patrols the oceans and protects it from like pollution and pirates and political issues and uh roy scheider mans it and there's like a, a dolphin that's one of the main characters that can talk be- via technology cool. and um it's 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 like almost goofy but like just serious enough to be like compelling gosh i am i am like uh, i will be going down a rabbit hole of michael deluise's career after this i guarantee it um yeah no yeah check check go, check out some of the scenes of him in in uh sequest because like i said he act, he acts alongside his brother it's really interesting okay next one i have is a character his name is joseph ray now this is the character that is guarding reacher and who reacher basically convinces that he is a a cyborg and then he is communicating with a satellite and he kind of intimidates Joseph Ray into like letting him escape. Um, I thought this was a good opportunity for some like, you know, comedic relief. You'd have to have someone who can like play sort of a, a dumb and confused uh, character. So I picked. Ra- yeah. 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 Giovanni Rabisi. <laughs> you read my mind. How did you know? Um, no, you didn't do John. You didn't do Giovanni Ribisi, did you? I picked Rob Riggle. Mm, who's so that? he he actually he used to be a Marine, or he I guess I, Marines say that they're always Marines. So he is a Marine, um, and he was on The Daily Show. He has been in uh, that um, Step Brothers, I think it's called. Or he he. he oh, I recognize this guy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Did you do, did you pick one for Joseph Ray? Yeah, Giovanni Ribisi. Oh my god, yeah. really? I think he'd be especially in the 90s, I think he'd be he he was like just unrecognizable enough in the 90s to to be a, like a weirdo. You know what? I forgot that you were doing your 90s and that's a per, that's pretty good for then, right? Like yeah, I'm thinking of him back then. He's he's he would he would fit in in this movie. Okay. All right, yep. last one. And I could I could see him being convinced that Reacher is a cyborg. Yeah, like well, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Like <laughs> um yeah. Okay, last one. President of the United States. Okay, so this is your last one. I actually cast a few other people, uh, but uh, for the for the POTUS in the nineties, I casted uh, Lloyd Bridges. Oh, okay, that's cool. He's generally in like more comedic things, like Airplane. Um, but he's old in the nineties. And um, I could see him playing that that role straight faced and being like a serious president. Okay, so my pick passed away a few years ago, but um, I picked Powers Booth. Yeah, that would I could see him as being the president and having a very harsh conversation with uh, the direct FBI director Webster. And and we should note actually when they have that conversation, that's also another kind of cinematic scene where Webster walks into the Oval Office. And the president is in his chair behind his desk, looking out the window, and has his back to Webster, and they, and you know, is obviously like you know contemplating the situation. And they have this 
he has this entire conversation with his back to Webster. You know, it's it's kind of easy to imagine. Oh yeah, you'd shoot it. You you'd shoot it where you can kind of see his reflection in the window, but not quite. Maybe see like a some cigar smoke. I mean, you could do that. The whole if you wanted to still cast Powers Booth now, you just digitally render his face and uh put it in the reflection the whole time yeah i mean it, yeah you absolutely could do that i recently watched uh the rest of uh the book of boba fett and uh mark you know luke skywalker mark hamill like reappears in it a hundred percent digital just not even just his image his voice was also made by a computer it wasn't that bad when he talks when his mouth moves that's when it kind of gives it away but i'm like wow this is kind of incredible so they cut away a lot so that that doesn't happen so like anytime there's like him having a lot of dialogue it's the the shot will be on grogu or on um ahsoka but like it it will only show him visibly talking several times before they cut away but uh, the only problem i didn't have a problem with it but a lot of people did and the only thing that I can say is is a little bit of like a soulless performance. Like there's not a lot of emotion in his facial expressions or his his vocal in, in, in intonation. Like, um, I I wouldn't disagree it's, with it's that. It's a it's a pass it's a passable representation of of young Mark Hamill. I yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree that it's kind of soulless. However, in a way, in a weird way to me, like it kind of works because, like, spoiler alert, like Grogu's training with Luke Skywalker, and it almost seems like Grogu does not want to be there. Grogu wants to be with Mando and go, be going on bounty hunter adventures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, it's Luke. It's Luke putting on the air of a master and being a teacher. So, like, he would have that like serious air to him. Yeah. So like it uh, like I said, it's passable and it works. Um, it's definitely some real interesting movie magic, like a completely digital performance. Um, I mean, except for the motion, like all of the motion acting is an actor doing like, you know, all that kind of stuff, and then they just digitally do the face. But uh, they've been doing that more and more these days. Uh, you know, the they you know they resurrected Peter Cushing via digital magic for Rogue One. Um, and, uh, Carrie Fisher, of course, but, uh, it's getting better, those effects, like, the Luke one is really good, but they, they're still, they still got a little bit of work to do, but I think, if you did what they should have done in Rogue One and just had Powers Booth in a reflection, um, I think it'd be fine. You could even cobble together audio from his old performances. Yeah, and I was going to say, and if, if you were shooting it like that, you'd want him to have like a really good, identifiable, strong voice. And Powers Booth, I think, has that. You know, you know, you know, it's him when he's talking. All right, but who? So, what are what other roles did you want to cast? All right, so uh, Brogan and Milosevic, the um, double agents that um, die in horrible ways. Um, so, uh, Brogan is the one that, uh, they try to trick Reacher into thinking that he's been captured and being tortured and Reacher sees through it and shoots him. Um, I cast Christopher McDonald, which, um, some people might recognize him, some people might not, but Christopher McDonald, um, in the nineties was like the villain in Flubber <laughs> and, 
Um, he's he was in Happy Gilmore as like the egotistical golfer. Oh yeah, yeah. That's how I think most people recognize him as a shooter from Happy Gilmore. Yeah, Shooter yeah. McGavin, and I think uh, I I think he would play a great like. Oh no, they're torturing me. Help. Uh, kind of like shitty agent. Um, and then as um Milosevic, who gets stabbed in the eye with porcelain is uh robert davy okay yeah yeah uh, he's a very very recognizable villain um i think he'd play a good henchman and also believable as a federal agent so it'd be great as that like double agent kind of a role he was uh, have you seen um, uh, maniac cop 2 and maniac cop 3 I have not. Robert Davi hero um, I've role. seen parts of I've seen parts of one of the Maniac Cop series. I don't remember which one it was. I love those movies. Um Robert Davi plays the he's a detective in Maniac Cop two and three. One of those roles where he's like a good He's guy. played a detective in several things before. Um he he plays that role well. Oh, he's also in he's plays a bad guy in uh uh Bond movie, License to Kill. Yes, he's the bad guy in License to Kill. He's also, isn't he in The Goonies? Yeah, he's one of the uh, Fratelli brothers, I think they are. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, he would be, he'd be great because he can do both. So he, he can be the government agent, but he can also be a horrible bad guy that gets stabbed in the eye. I just, I just realized I cast both 90s Bond villains in this movie because uh, Robert Davi was the villain in the Timothy Dalton movie License to Kill and uh, my my Bo Bork and Joe Don Baker was the villain in Living Daylights. Whatever. This is so funny. Whatever. Well, it makes sense because we, we will talk about it in a future episode, but we we consider the Bond books to be dad-lit as well. and The Bond movies, you know, as extensions of those books. It's follow yeah. suit. Yep. You, I, um, I like those. I like the casting. Did you have anyone else you wanted to go over? Yes. So I cast the three, um, the kidnappers. Okay. I felt like they're they're in the book enough that they sure. should be cast. Um. So for the the rapist that Reacher kills and hides, um, uh, I cast uh William Zabka. He is the bad guy from Karate Kid. Oh, Johnny. Yeah, but but he's a um, he's a hero now, and the not a hero, but he's like you know he's the good yeah, guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But at the at the t- at the time, he would be a recognizable actor to put to cast as a villain. Um, yeah, and uh, he he could be like a a, a young skeezy uh, militia person. I think it'd be much much more disturbing to cast ralph macchio in that role but i think william zapka you're not you're not wrong but at the time that would have been a really (laughs) ballsy casting so i I did not go for that um and then for the other two um i cast ethan embry and jonathan banks so ethan embry is um he played russ in the um vacation movies Okay, yeah, he was also in. Uh, people might recognize him from "Can't Hardly Wait." The, the, yeah, yeah, he's. The uh, and then Jonathan Banks. Jonathan Banks is, has been in a bunch of things forever. Um, more recently, he's um, in Better Call Saul and uh, Breaking Bad. Um, and uh, I I love him as the kind of like henchman type character. So I think he, especially in the '90s when he was younger, I think he'd be a a great kind of like 
guy that leads the three of them. Okay. Well, may I, can I let me ask why? Why did you? Is it because it came out in the nineties? Like, what was your thinking about doing this as a as a nineties nineties uh, movie? Um, I was just thinking of like like all the like Bruce Willis action movies in the nineties, and uh, my friends and I earlier were discussing like Speed, and uh, I I was just thinking of like Reacher is definitely like a blockbuster main character um and so that that's kind of where the idea sprang from um and i want to do something a little bit different because i figured you were gonna do like a modern day kind of like season two of the show cast yeah, yeah. um so that's kind of that's kind of where the idea sprang I, from. I you know i do the 90s action films do have like there's something recognizable about them i don't know if it's like the aesthetic or or the, just the casting of it, but... Do you know... Do you know what my favorite 90s action film is? Uh, Die Hard? No. Um, Last Boy Scout? I've got a... No, I actually don't like that movie. Um, no, I my favorite... One of my favorite movies of all time is True Lies. That is such a good movie. I really love that. Yeah. So, so it's one of the movies on my list of, of, uh, movies that I consider movie ass movies and a, a movie ass movie is something that is, uh, like an action, like it's, it's a, it's a thrill ride. It's quality made. So it's, 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 it's very well made and has very good details and acting and like almost to the point of being like a, a quality film, but it's also ridiculous enough to almost be like uh like a joke of a genre or like a meta commentary and like true lies counts it's like it's making fun of spy movies but it itself is one of the best spy movies like it's not contrived of another spot like it's it's not like a spoof of a spy movie it's like truly appreciates the things it's pulling from i feel like the the raylan givens character from fire in the hole is like that Yes, I after after reading um, Fire in the Hole, like uh, he is like an appreciation, an homage to uh, Western characters and marshals. Yeah, and at the same, it, it, there's um, like there's an ironic like you can't you can't you can't identify you can't identify one specific thing that he's referencing, but it's like the the appreciation is yeah, there. It's like he, it is it, it it is humorously he's humorously out of place. Because he is like a Western type character, and people reference it's like God. You seem like you should have been here. Like you, you should have been a sheriff a hundred years ago. Yet at the same time, the story yeah. itself is like a story that actually would only have happened one hundred years ago. You know, it's like it's a Western story. Um, but yeah, I, I get what you mean by that. They're, the movie ass movies, they're 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 camp like they're unintentionally campy like with with their excess well no like true lies is intentionally well, yeah, campy, for sure but like that's but that's the point that's the point is it's a movie that can be intentionally campy without ruining its credibility without ruining its um final product like true lies takes place in a serious universe and the characters are serious it's just the situations are campy and it's like i said like on a meta level making fun of spy movies but it can do it it can do it while being taken completely seriously well my favorite 
um, action movie from the 90s is is uh, Con Air. And that's like one of my all-time favorite movies. I love that movie. That's another really good one. I, w- I would consider that a movie-ass movie. It's ridiculous enough to be a movie-ass movie. It's a thrill ride through and through. Like, uh, is that Michael Bay? Did Michael Bay do no, that? No, it seems or like s- it, doesn't it? But it was... It does. It really seems it like it. It was produced by Jerry Bruckheimer and directed by Simon West. But it, but yeah, okay. it it is not Michael Bay, but it sure as sure as heck seems like it. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. The pacing of it feels like a Michael Bay, um, because it's nonstop, and uh, it's another one that can be campy without ruining its credibility. Yeah, I I just I, and I love ensembles. You know, like a big like group cast. You know, it's just there's so many people in in uh, Con Air like. Just a ridiculous amount of recognizable actors. John Cusack. I mean, like, like that's the crazy thing is it's like, like, think like John Cusack and John Malkovich are, are both like well, they uh, can be pretty serious. Well, and actors. the two people, the two, the, the 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 two people that are working off of each other, um, kind of antagonistically in in that with John Cusack's foil is Colm Meany, who is like better known as Chief O'Brien from Star Trek the Next Generation and Deep oh, Space yeah. Nine. But when he plays when he plays a jackass villain, he plays a really good jackass. Like his his like agent in that movie is so hateable. So we've been doing a lot of reading for Dad Lit. We just did we read the Reacher book. Uh, we read a Leonard short, a more Leonard short story. We're reading a few things for some future episodes, but um, in between, st- you know, reading for the podcast, we like to do our own, you know, non dad lit pleasure reading. So I was just curious, uh, Chris, if you have read anything lately, or if you have anything on your uh, your nightstand that you're that you're reading that's that's good. I don't I don't remember if I if I brought it up before, but um, I've been uh. I've been making my way through um, Children of Hurin, which is a, a book in the um, Tolkien universe, the like Lord of the Rings universe that takes place like ages before, and it's it's been pretty interesting in terms of fantasy. I've been I've been liking it a lot more than I expected I would. Yeah, I recently finished this book by Dean Koontz uh, called A Darkness in My Soul, and it's one of his earlier uh, novels. And by that, I mean like one of his first 20 novels. Like, it's not like, you know, he'd written quite a few books. He's a very prolific author. Um, I'd never read anything that, from this early in his career. And it's it's kind of interesting because his, his, his books, you know, his later ones are about like, at least in my reading experience, are about like, you know, kidnapping and serial killers and they're like thrillers. But I've been like researching him and he has all these earlier books that are these weird, like metaphysical science fiction type, like kind of culty stories. Um, like if you've ever read uh, Colin Wilson, he's this uh, occult writer who writes these stories that are like kind of about metaphysics and uh, psychics and uh, astral projection. I have not, but can please send me his name so I don't forget he, yeah. it. I want to look. look he into wrote this that. book called. Uh, the Space Vampires, which was adopted adapted into a movie by Toby Hooper, who was the director of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and it's about alien vampires that are cryogenically frozen and they get unfrozen. He, he's anyway. So the early Dean Koontz books. I take back what I just <laughs> said. No, I'm not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's, it's, his books uh, are weird, but 
Everything you just said is ridiculous. <laughs> early early Dean Koontz books, like I'm I'm kind of g- gathering that they're a little bit like that. Like I want to read this next book. I, I found it today at a used bookstore called The Flesh in the Furnace, and like it, the story is about like these like puppet masters that create human beings, and it's like how do you have? It, it's very I don't. know. Like homunculi? I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'll I'll find out. But it's like he's making these like big big commentaries on like the nature of of being a human, you know, of of humanity. I don't know. It's like it's very different from his from the books I'm used to, which are like you know some crazy guy in a van kidnaps a girl. You know, these books are are weird kind of metaphysical science fiction. So. Well, and that's the thing. Like, I wonder. I I would love to look into or interview him. And be like, did you start writing just whatever you wanted to write, and then when, like, like the like his later works might be just a result of his popularity. Like, these are the books that sell, so these are what I'm gonna write, rather than the things that he started off writing. I mean, it could could be you know it it could be that yeah he discovered that. It was easier to write commercial fiction. I referenced Dean Koontz earlier when we were talking about Reacher and Holly being, you know, stuck in the back of that van together. And I, the reason I thought of that is because it's this sort of like situational, like thriller um, story at that point, where it's like, what if someone just grabbed you and threw you in the back of a truck and you didn't know anything? What would you do? You know, that's like to me a sort of Dean Koontzy type type stu- uh, story it's also kind of a stephen king type story as well like you know gerald's game is sort of a situational horror story like that as well okay before we we finish up we should probably rate uh die trying by lee child uh as dad lit uh how dad litty is this according to our kind of traditional definition of dad lit um so it came out in 1998 for me it's a little bit i mean i'm not going to factor that in too much it is a little a little later golden era dadlet um it does have the those qualities no, i think it's like i think it's kind of peak okay like if you're thinking of like the time frame that like uh Kostler writes in and uh tom clancy i think it's you might be right about that it's peak you might era. be right about that sure i yeah. guess maybe because it's like the second book in the series it's still like taking off but yeah, there's a lot more to go. Yeah, yeah, but he he writes those quick. Like they're like once a year, or twice or two a year sometimes. Okay, um, I would rate this. I would give you go it first. Yeah, no, you go, you go first. first. Yeah, you go first. Okay, I I would give it um maybe seventy five white sneakers in the back of a panel van. Okay, a smelly panel van then. Oh, sneakers in there. I didn't say they were worn sneakers. Brand spanking new white A six. But I would give it seven. I would give it seventy five out of a hundred. It's it's uh in terms of good book, it's a really good book. But in terms of dadlet, it 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 could be a little bit more. Like there could be more of our checkboxes checked. It could be a little bit more ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, yeah. It's 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 there is an attempted rape. There is a, a pointless sex scene. There is uh, helicopters. There are weird government politics and militia. There is hyper competent protagonist. But like, I don't know. It's just 
maybe I'm reading it too low. Maybe it's more than 75. I'll, I'll leave it at 75, though. What's, what, well, what I think we're going to have to start reading the classic, like, Zebra men's adventure series, like Mac Bolin and The Survivalist, before we're getting into those 90s where we're checking off everything on the checklist. So I want to give it, I almost want to give it a 75 as well, but I'm not going to, that'd be, uh, I'll give it a 70 plus a roadside diner meatloaf sandwich for Jack Reacher. But there was no roadside diner in this one. I know, well, what, which is a good reason not to not to rate it any higher. To rate it higher. <laughs> I know, come on. Well, now we're going to have to, now we're going to have to comp- have a completely different judging criteria for Reacher books to have a diner included. Yeah, you know, gosh, the diner is, it is a, it's a funny recurring thing, but like stuff happens in the diners, you know, it's like, it's not, I can't say, I can't say that that's a common thing across Dadlet though. Like Dirk Pitt doesn't hang out in diners that often. No. Um, uh, as far as I know, diners are not a feature of Tom Clancy. I might be wrong. I want to add, we'll, we'll get to this later, but I, a good addition to the Dadlet checklist might be not a diner scene, but like an upscale restaurant scene where like, uh, like, because in Night Probe, the Clive Cussler book, Dirk Pitt shows up at this really nice restaurant and it's a funny juxtaposition of, you know, shit kicker Dirk Pitt showing how classy he can actually be and ordering nice wine and stuff. I don't know. Uh, yeah, we got to think, maybe we should just do it. Do, Dirk, Dirk, do it. Dirk cleans up. Yeah, I well. guess that's what I mean. Is like a clean up, nice restaurant scene. Uh, how about we don't even need to put restaurant in it? How about just um, gritty protagonist cleans up well? Yes, that or gritty gritty character. We'll just say gritty character. It doesn't even have to be the protagonist. Gritty character cleans cleans up well. well that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you want to get a hold of us, you can message us on Instagram at dadlitpodcast or send us an email, dadlitpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks. All right, I'm going to stop recording on uh, this one. I think we have enough to end. Well, hold on. Don't, don't, don't yet. Don't yet. Don't yet. Um, we didn't do my stupid throwaway joke about, uh, hey, you know, like a great episode. And then you saying we have to talk about militias. Okay. So it's, it's, it's going to go, um, Get out of here. Just don't ask questions.